Hey, Michael here. Welcome to Acquisitions Anonymous. Fun episode today. Heather, myself, and Bill went through a fun deal, a little bit on the bigger side, I think about seven, eight million in revenue, if memory serves, uh, that does uh, supply chain stuff. So it provides chemicals and components to people who make pet food treats. So very kind of niche thing, but also super interesting discussion that came from it, how to value the business and who should buy it. So uh, pretty fun one. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And here is the episode. This episode of Acquisitions Anonymous is sponsored by Acquisition Lab. Acquisition Lab uh, and their team, they've been longtime supporters of the pod, and they provide a really great service for people who are looking to acquire a business. So it's created by Walker Dybel, who's become a friend, uh, the author of Buy Then Build, How to Outsmart the Startup Game. Uh, so Acquisition Lab's an accelerator with a highly vetted cohort-based educational and support community for people who are serious about buying a business. So a lot of our listeners like you, you tune in every week to our deal reviews. You want to get in on buying a business. Uh, you know, you're on this podcast because you're trying to learn how to buy a business. But if you're not quite sure where to start, Acquisition Lab is a great place to start. So they exist to help people buy a business and to navigate all those complexities of the process. Everything you hear us talking about on the show, they provide a proven framework tools and resources that support you all the way from search to close. Uh, they do it. There's a whole bunch of educational material uh, and support. So if you're serious about buying a business, check out acquisitionlab.com, or you can actually email the program director, uh, Chelsea Wood, directly. Her email is chelsea at buythenbuild.com. Hey, guys, welcome. I had cancer this week. I had it cut out of my face, so I have this thing. But the good news is it's on the correct side of my face to... Uh, to not see the bandage. So everybody will just be like, why is Gridley talking funnier than usual? And it's because I had surgery on my face on Wednesday. So yeah, most of your face still remains. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. All the bad parts are still visible. The good news is at least a third of my face is covered up by this bandage. So um, it's like, I imagine you're like that guy in the Batman movie where, you know, he like turns, he's got like half a face. What's two... <laughs> You know, the guy from Thank You for Smoking, and then he, he gets his face blown off and he becomes a villain. Oh, man. Yeah, you, know, you know the one? I grew up wanting to be the, I grew up wanting to be Batman, and you just tell me I look like the penguin. That's pretty much how this works. No, no, no. He's, what's his, his name's like Half-Face or Two-Face Two or face. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Super funny. Super funny. All right. Well, um, look, we got another Axial deal today. Uh, so I think before we were starting, Bill, you were expressing your continued love and admiration for Axial. I tend to agree. Yeah, I'm having fun with these Axial deals. I think they're, they're bigger, which is cool. Uh, they're usually professionally represented. No offense to all of our business broker friends out there, but like very often they've got a real intermediary. They got good teasers and they're, I, I find there's a lot more like real businesses rather than like kind of either like crappy low end local businesses or like potentially scammy e-com businesses. <laughs> Axial has like a whole bunch of these like legit couple million bucks in EBITDA, real intermediary deals. Yeah, gotta love it. And I like how everything's standardized on the teasers. It's just yeah, all, all business. Nice. Uh, cool. Well, uh, it turns out I picked one. It turns out we have a guy, Heather, who's on the podcast who knows a lot about pets. Yeah, His name's Bill. And uh, so I picked this one because it's a pet ingredient provider who is seeking sale. Uh, the company is a U.S.-based value-added distributor of refined and custom-blended food binding agents, providing small batches of proprietary premixes to pet food and treat contract manufacturers who are referred to from here on out as CMs. 
Established in 1995, the company has a long history of supplying gelatin and dry blends to leading pet food treat CMs. In addition to its proprietary blends, the company provides customers with custom batch sizing and repackaging services with U.S.-based HAACP and GMP food safety programs. Uh, in continued, uh, continued acquisitions anonymous, uh, pattern. I have no idea what any of those things are, but I'm excited to learn about them today after I Google them. The company produces a refined low bloom gelatin uses a natural binder and stabilizer in many pet foods and treats. They work with CMs and end customers to develop gelatin based blends unique to each pet treat product. It's superior technical expertise and consistent product quality drive a long-term tenure customer base as a USA USDA APHIS certified food facility. The company is well positioned in the market with strong vendor relationships and trusted high quality products. The customer continues. To, the company continues to benefit from the growing pet industry with strong market tailwinds and solid long-term growth outlook. Their binding agents are also used in animal feeds, insecticides, wood smoking biscuits, and various other consumer industrial products. The real estate is owned by the company. The owner remains flexible in regard to the treatment of the real estate in a transaction. Revenue-wise, 2021, 6.2 million revenue, EBITDA of 1.4 million, 22% EBITDA margin. 2022, 7.2 million, 1.9 million EBITDA, and a 20% EBITDA margin. This year, they are projecting doing 8.2 million in revenue, 14% year-over-year growth, and 2.5 million in EBITDA with 30% EBITDA margin. It is located in the West South Central, so my neck of the woods, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, New Mexico. And they are in the industries you would expect them to be, which is food products for food products and biting agents for pet food. So looks like a pretty good business. What, what do you guys think? It's super. I think it's interesting. Well, let's let's explain the value chain here and like first where this company sits in the value chain. So they are an ingredient provider to contract manufacturers. So these guys are almost about as upstream as you can get. So if you start with a brand, like a dog food or dog supplement brand, right, they're going to use a contract manufacturer, most likely. That contract manufacturer is going to buy ingredients from someone else, namely these guys, right? And now these guys are going to either buy bulk ingredients from someone else and then parcel them down and sell them to the contract manufacturers or actually produce the ingredients. And that's what I can't tell here. Like if it's this gelatin, if it's gelatin, are they buying like truckloads of gelatin from the people who grind the animal bones? Right. Which, by the way, that's where gelatin comes from. So, like, are these guys the guys that grind the animal animal bones and make gelatin or are they buying it from like a big uh, animal producer like a Tyson or, or you know, all these other these huge animal producer products companies? Or are they just buying it by the truckload and parceling it down into like 40 pound bags or totes? Tote is like a pallet, but like a container, like you could fill it with liquid or powder. Uh, so are they just repackaging or are they actually grinding bones? They're described here in the first sentence as a value-added distributor of refined and custom-blended food binding agents. So I think it's exactly what you talked about. They're buying you know, by the acre and then selling by the square foot to these small contract manufacturers. That would be my guess based on what this says. So they're, they're middlemen between the the factory, which, you know, gelatin and stuff like that, I assume works like most other animal products. Like you, there's different buyers who come out of the, the animal processing plants. And so if you're treating, if you're doing goats or sheep or, or cows, like all the different parts of the cow get sold off to different people. And I think this is one of those ones 
who functions as that middleman. And I know people in this kind of middleman style business who buy from those big factories and they just, the factories like that are processing cows or processing chickens or whatever, like they love working with guys like this because they don't want to become a specialist in anything other than chopping up cows and like doing that safely and, and creating meat. And then like all the other stuff, they're happy to like turn that over to specialists like these guys who are going to turn around and, and, you know, market it well into the market and all that kind of stuff. And it can be extremely lucrative. Yeah, they say value added. This could be something like, I'm making this up, but maybe when you gelatin comes off the truck, like it's prone to caking or something. And that just comes from moisture in the gelatin. So they could be like blending in a food safe anti caking additive and then selling that, with, you know, post blend in for into the contract manufacturers. So when I hear value added, value added can mean a lot of things. Like how much value are you truly adding? Are you just filling it into bags? You know, people would say that's value added distributor because you touch it. Like a true distributor, it comes in one dock door and it leaves another dock door. That's like a non-value added distributor, right? <laughs> value added distributor could very much, to use Michael's term, be buying in acres and selling in square feet and call themselves a value added distributor. Or it could be, you know, something as complex as buy it, buy the truckload, use a a, a blending facility to add in anti-caging agents or or vitamins or something else, and then selling a proprietary blend or a, a treated gelatin or whatever it might be. Maybe gelatin comes with bacteria in it and needs to be irradiated. And then you can sell like a, you know, an irradiated food safe gelatin. Like the more they mess with it, the better business it is, right? Because the moat goes up. Um, and I got to believe 26% EBITDA margins, right? They must be messing with it at least a little bit. Yeah, and I'm thinking the there's a clue in the title, Pet Treat. You know, they talk about the, their other uses for these binding agents, right? Animal feed, insecticide, wood, you know, wood smoking briquettes. But the headline is Pet Treat. So I'm, I'm sort of guessing that means that's where the growth is all coming from. Hmm. And, you know, maybe they're a little bit concentrated in that area, or maybe they've come up with, you know, to your point, Bill, a proprietary blend that's really great for holding the pet treats together really well, but um, it seems like they're very, very focused on something, you know, that's a niche market, a growing niche market, but, um, you know, th there's, there may be a concentration there with pet treats. I don't know. So the funny thing is, is uh, for those that don't know, the pet market is exploding right now. Supplements, treats, food, the humanization of pet is this like massive industry-wide tailwind that is just exploding everything pet. It's been going on for the past several years. It will keep going on for the next five to 10 years. Like private equity is tripping over themselves to get pet exposure right now. So either, Heather, you're right, and this is actually concentrated in pet treat, which I think would, it would be a good thing, or the other side of the coin, this is a good broker. And you get into this and you realize that 5% of their business is in fact pet. But the broker has said, oh, this is the big growth area. This is what everybody's looking for. If we position this as a pet treat ingredient provider, our, we'll get you know a, three extra turns on the multiple. So I, I see that all the time too. Like a clever broker just says, tailwind, this is what people are looking for. Position as the minority part of this business is the main part of this business. Good point. And now this is an Axial broker. So maybe, maybe they're better than that. But you know what? Yeah, it's, it's just probably could be good marketing. That I, would be interesting I would argue that the better the intermediary, the more likely they are to do that. In fact. Yeah. So the, the two questions I would have looking into this business, um, 
well, maybe three questions. Number one, how much transformation are they actually doing post post it coming out of the, you know, the the animal processing plant? Like that's that's talking about Bill, how much true value add there there is. Number two, like the suppliers of gelatins and all that stuff, like the food processing industry is very concentrated. So you have to understand where you're sitting in that value chain and do you run a danger of where these guys are in the value chain of going from farmer or rancher takes animal to food processor, food processor does their job. They sell the refined products to different folks, including this company, and then they sell it again. Like, can that refiner use their market position to depress your pricing power in the future or raise prices on you, which is the the thing I would really want to dig into as the the third thing, which is like, what's going on with my relationship with that processing plant? Like, do I have an exclusivity? What does that contract look like? How, is it a handshake? Some of those things work on handshakes, by the way, which is welcome to Iowa. That's how this stuff works. And then the fourth thing I really want to know is like, how regional of a business is this? Is geography like a moat for me? Just because I'm the only person doing this in Dallas, anybody that wants to make a food treat's got to call me. And that makes it really good, but it's also a, a weakness, which is I got to worry about somebody coming into my geography. So anyway, that's the four Gridley things I would worry about. I probably should have said those one at a time to make for better radio, but I was like, I got to get all these out. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the geography thing's smart because this stuff is heavy. I mean, they're like big sandbags, bags of powder, right? So shipping can become a not insignificant part of the cost. So, you know, we have chosen suppliers that are closer to each other at times to sh- save shipping costs. I know a guy who makes bricks and like he said, it just doesn't make sense to ship them more than a couple hundred miles because the, like a brick costs a dollar or something and it costs $3 to ship it like a hundred miles or something. So it's like 70% of the cost of bricks is getting it to your job site. So, you know, it could be something like that where to your point, Michael, it could be local. Quarry, quarries have a similar kind of function. like density is a moat for them, right? Like it's, nobody's going to ship gravel all the way across the United States unless they really, really have to. So like when you own a quarry, uh, it's like, it's a license to print money in some regards because A, it's really hard to open a new quarry because nobody wants a nasty dynamite exploding quarry next to their house or property. And number two, like, you know, you you know, you're going to own that market for a hundred miles in any direction. Uh, going down that path. So I have some buddies that own a quarry too. And it's, they're like, yep, our mode is gravel is cheap and really heavy. Like, oh, okay, good work. Makes sense. Do you need video content for your business that doesn't suck? Double Jump Media is your one-stop shop for high quality, highly engaging video content. They have over a decade of experience producing great memorable videos for their clients across North America and beyond. And those clients have taken those videos and turned that into millions more in sales for their business to help them grow and achieve their goals. And a distinguishing characteristic that sets them apart is they have a small team that does everything in-house. So what you see on their portfolio page and what you see on their website, that's what you're going to get. They do everything soup to nuts, consulting, scripting, strategy, production, post-production, helping you put it all together to produce something that is just as top-notch as your brand. So whether you're rebranding an existing product, you've just bought a business, or you're trying to grow the one that you have, the Double Jump team is one that is down to clown. By the way, they wrote that down to clown thing. I know what it means, but it sounds awesome. So to get in touch with them, visit doublejump.media, fill out their form, tell them that we sent you, have an introductory call at no cost to you, and figure out what's best for your business. They're great folks and can help you on your journey in producing amazing video content 
to help meet your business needs and goals. And thanks to them for sponsoring today's episode. So and the other thing I would think about, um, I don't know how much you guys know about contract manufacturing. So I, I'm the customer of several you know, pet tree contract manufacturers. The so many times sort of the core skill of a contract manufacturer, it can be boiled down to blending, right? Like what mm. they're doing is they are buying raw ingredients and they basically put them all in a vat, you know, in a certain order at a certain temperature and they mix them all together and then they like let them dry or make them wet or like, you know, it's like basically a mixing facility, right? A mixing and then packaging facility. So one of my other questions would be, you know, sort of the more value added these guys are, it also begs, like, let's say they're blending in an anti-caking agent. I would want to go to my, to their customers and go, why can't the manufacturer just blend in the anti-caking agent, right? Like they're a blending facility. Like why does the contract manufacturer choose to outsource like whatever the value add is of these guys? You know, a contract manufacturer is almost certainly buying gelatin by the truckload anyway, Right. And, and could probably jump these guys in the value chain. So I would want to understand, like, why do these guys actually have to exist? You know, it's easy to say, oh, well, because they do all this blending or like, oh, they buy it by the truckload. Well, a contract manufacturer can definitely do blending. I mean, I would be floored if these guys do some sort of manipulation to it that a contract manufacturer cannot do because all contract manufacturers are GMP and food safe and all that stuff. Anyway, they have to be as well. So the certifications are remote, but not against their contract manufacturers. And all the contract manufacturers already have blending equipment, right? So the CapEx there is not a moat either. So why does the contract manufacturer want these guys to exist? And then when you talk about uh, batch sizing, you know, a contract manufacturer can almost certainly buy a truckload of gelatin as well, because they're aggregating across all of their clients. So I would really want to understand what value is the contract manufacturer consciously pushing up the value chain to these guys? And are they consciously pushing it up the value chain or have they just not yet figured out that they can capture it back? Yeah, well, I'll tell you. That's interesting. Uh, oh, Heather, we've Bill and I have done this that thing that we do where we get so excited we just keep talking really fast and don't give you a chance okay. to talk. So let me make my point because I'm really excited about it. And then I, we need, Bill and I are going to shut up because we need to hear your wisdom. So I'll tell you what happens with with my buddy who's in a similar business to this, Bill and Heather, which is like the dynamic is the processing plants don't want to deal with multiple vendors because like, as my grandfather would say, this is not, is this a bump, a bump on a pickle to them? Like it is, they're worried about meat and all that other stuff. And like, they don't give a crap about $5 million worth of gelatin leaving their plant. So because of that, they only want to work with one supplier and they sell it all to to that individual. And like that dynamic is a moat where like, as long as he keeps that contract, like he doesn't have to worry about what you're talking about, Bill, which is getting cut out of the value chain. And so I think in the, this is one of those odd cases where often just being a nuisance for the, you know, for the, the processing plant, which is doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year, likely in processing cattle, let's say, for example, to produce this gelatin, like they do not care about you know, what, what's happening on the gelatin side. Cause they're totally focused on the big stuff and they just want to, they just want it out of their way. So anyway, that's how, that's how the dynamic works for him. And, you know, if it was any bigger, he would be challenged, but because it's small and they only want one vendor, like it makes his life, uh, you know, a great niche to own. And he's done it for decades. It's super cool. So Heather, over to you. Yeah. So I, I agree with all of that. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm reading here that there's, they're developing blends specific to each pet treat product. 
and that there's significant technical expertise. So I'm kind of thinking there's some kind of food scientist here that uh, and some marketing that kind of goes with that, that we've got the perfect gelatin blend for what you're making over here. You know, so there's a lot. I think that's maybe the secret sauce of this business. And I'm wondering who that is. Is that an employee or is that the seller? Because this, you know, this business has grown a lot, but that could very much that could very well be the founder that's got that technical expertise. Um, so I would be a little bit worried about, you know, the 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 transition and uh, and who can step in and and continue to add that value. Um, and then I'm also kind of pointing out that it's it's kind of in the no man's land for financing. Um, always interesting because uh, I say the no man's land is somewhere between like one and a half million EBITDA uh, and three million of EBITDA, right? And there it's become more increasingly difficult to get a bank uh, to do it because it's a little too big usually for SBA, particularly if this one goes for a high multiple because of the growth, I would expect so. So it's going to be too big probably for SBA. And it's still probably too small for a lot of conventional lending. Uh, they conventional cash flow lenders these days don't want to talk to anybody below three million of EBITDA almost almost never. So um, it, you know it, it, that's gonna that's gonna make this one a little bit tricky as far as how it gets done. So I think this has got to be private equity, right? And the reason it's private equity is they can either write a larger equity check. You know they're not going to be a twenty percent down, eighty percent loan to value deal, or it's an add on. You know, if you've got a portfolio of the of these ingredient suppliers or even a contract manufacturer you're trying to vertically integrate, if it's an add-on, then you can use leverage from the combined business, right? Or it's private equity kind of third way is they've got relationships with lenders who like to lend on all their deals and would be willing to do a smaller deal. You know, a cash flow type private equity style lender would be willing to do a smaller deal for them in service of this deal because they're kind of catering to the whole funds business. Um, so that's just another reason being a private equity fund is an advantage. That's a buy. There's, yeah. yeah. There's definitely like uh, the reasons to buy this business at the type of price they're probably going to want end up being very thesis driven. It's like, oh, we're going to roll, the, you know, there's got to be dozens of these things is my hypothesis around the country. We're going to roll them up and become a single provider for this stuff. Or we're going to, we're going to, we already own the, um, you know, we already own the processing plants, which they're public companies now, but like, and we're going to use this as a, a, a an expand, an extension vertical integration for us, contract manufacturer, just like you're talking about, Bill. So, yeah. So, sorry, searchers. This is not the one for you. <laughs> but, well, maybe, maybe if you're really rich. My personal tangent on this one, when I see these margins, it reminds me why I make my own dog food. Charlie gets homemade dog food. And uh, and he and it is the highlight of his life. I can never stop making it because he, he just loves it so much. I love <laughs> you, I love how no, Heather I, is I case in it. point about the humanization of pets. It's like, Completely. Yeah. Yeah, yes, you're he has cooking for this dog like he's... a child. This is I'm grinning ear to ear. Like, please keep doing things like this. Yes, yes, he is my child. Now that my children are in their twenties, I had. I have a new child named Charlie. So, so, my, so my friends had a lab, right? And they were childless. And they had a Labrador Retriever who, you know, the, you know the personalities of labs. They're like very like precocious and they think they're very special and all this kind of stuff. And the dog was treated like a child. Like he would get like birthday cakes and stuff. And uh, then they had a like, uh, then they got married and they're in their late 30s and the first kid showed up. And it's like, now the lab is just like in the corner, like with this like, Totally, his life is totally changed. This baby's here. Now that's the baby. Like he just goes and sits in the corner and is like super sad. Oh, where do I fit into this picture? Like it's, uh, 
it's pretty funny to see what happens when a, a child actually shows up to replace the fur child. My brother's in the hospital like right now giving birth to his first child and they have a dog and that dog has no idea what's coming. It is like the most coddled dog ever. And like a week, we are all joking, like a week after this baby, they're going to be like, who wants a dog? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hilarious. Well, because like, Heather, your kids are grown. So now you have time to invest in the dog. To do both simultaneously is a big ask. I did both. I did both. I had a dog before the kids. And um, it was a little scary, actually. I remember that bringing the, the baby home and uh, just seeing how the dog would react, but he was just very protective. Like he sort of followed what we were doing and he became very protective and very careful. So it, I did it. It was okay, but I probably, I didn't cook for that dog. Now that you mentioned it. (laughs) (laughs) To dry kibble only. (laughs) Uh, so Heather, you cook for your dog. Is this like you go to the grocery store and you're like cutting up ribeye or like, what, what are we doing here? Okay. I got my, here's my, my, uh, recipe. It is brown rice. It is uh, carrots or I have a garden, as I've told you before. So I've also got uh, butternut squash. I've gotten a lot of that right now. So he's getting that. He loves that. And either some kind of green vegetable. So either broccoli or some kale. You know, I cook it and I put it through the food processor, but all the veggies. And then I do what I've been doing now is uh, ground turkey from Costco. because so I can buy a lot of it. And uh, put a little fish oil in there. At the there end. you go. It's, I was hoping you were going to get some, some omegas. Yep, that's the that's the secret uh, sauce, and he it's it it really is like the most important thing in his day every day. He he loves it. <laughs> I believe it. That sounds like like the best dog or the best meal any dog is eating. It's good stuff. I according to him, I don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it would be good if you ate it too. I mean, all those ingredients are good. Yeah, on their healthy. own, healthy. Yeah. yeah. But you're not buying your ingredients. Uh, you're not adding any gelatin, I notice. No I was. I know, but I was thinking that. And, you know, I might check that out now. Well, speaking of which, any anything else about this deal? Thoughts? I, I like it. I think this, I mean, it looks, it's grown from 6.2 million in sales to 8.2 million in sales over two years. It's in a market with tailwinds. If it, if it has a defensible, defensible spot in the value chain... I like this business. The margins are very good. The margins are expanding from 22% EBITDA in 2021 to 30% EBITDA in 2023. I imagine this is probably just due to incredible demand in the market and just everybody has pricing power right now. Um, so I, I don't know that that's permanent. You know, as uh, like when, when markets boom, right? Lots of brands rush in, people are willing to, people are making super normal margins and then as it all sort of shakes out, profitability becomes important. You know, after the land grab is over, uh, and margins tend to compress. So when that happens in pet, I don't know. But you know, I wouldn't overpay for this business, but it seems like a good one to look harder at. I mean, what do you think it's going to trade for? Six six or seven times 2023, maybe higher? It be. could. Yeah, it could. I mean, pr- I think private equity would pay six times for this, for sure. Yeah, six times 2023 would be 15 million. Is that right? Like, mm-hmm. Almost two times yep. revenue for a contract, for a, a VAR. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... Good, good money. If, you if can it get were it. not in pet, I think it would trade significantly lower oh, yeah. for what that's worth. Human food. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, 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 it, and it does worry me a little bit what you said, like, is this permanent, this pricing power? You know, at some point, do people come become a little more price sensitive about their, their pet treats and food? So it feels a little bit like a company that's riding a wave and you just don't know where the wave, you know, starts to die down. So that I, I agree that's probably what it'll go for. I, I don't think I would pay that. 
Well, look, let me tell you how this works, guys. And Bill is a former investment banker. He knows if you want to get a deal to pencil, all you got to do is just go into your financial model and change the annual growth rate for the next 10 years from 15% to 20%, and every deal will underwrite. It's just magic. If you just you have Amazing. 20% and your margins stay consistent, every deal will work. And that's the entire business model of private equity. So yay. <laughs> Yeah, the whole the whole business model of private equity is doing that and then trying to convince your lender you're not full of shit. <laughs> right? And the entire lender business model is to say, you guys are full of shit and not exactly. and take that growth rate back down. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of yep. lenders, we have like a, a celebration. It's like it's like closing day for Heather, right? Like so congratulations, Heather, for, for you. your business taking off like a rocket. Loan. Yeah. Yeah, we're super excited and heading into Q4 with lots of closings after that one. So super excited. And I mean, you know, the small business acquisition market continues to grow, continues to boom despite rates and everything else. Uh, I see lots of good deals in my inbox just about every day. New new signed LOIs. Amazing. Awesome. It's it's very cool. I mean, I've Heather, I've sent a couple of people to you that were looking for deals and like they get back to me and they're like, "Yeah, Heather put, you know, put in touch with several banks. Like the terms are good. Like we're rocking and rolling. It's just been so cool. I mean, obviously you've been closing loans for 20 years, you know, and you're, so this is not new for you, but it's so cool to see you do it like, you know, in your own business and just set them up and knock them down. It's great to see. Yeah, it is. It is a really, it is very much the same, but also very different than what I've done in the past. And I, I'm loving it. It is just so fun. So if you are out there and you need an SBA loan, or a non-SBA loan, but especially if you need an SBA loan, call Heather at Viso. She yeah. will take care of you. Yeah, please. Please she do. And I, I still have my Zoom session, so I have those every two weeks. If you're pre-LOI, you're just shopping, you want to you know, know how this all works, uh, uh, check me out on LinkedIn or Twitter, and I'll send you a link, a registration link to my Zoom sessions. Which are free and That's full free. of knowledge if you've never attended one. They're, it's yeah, like a lot. It's like a live podcast with Heather. It's pretty cool. It is. And you can ask me questions and try to stump me. You know, that would be fun. It's good. There you go. Good. All right. Well, we will put this Axial deal in the show notes and stuff as best we can. I know all the actual stuff is a moderated marketplace. So I think we've been putting them in there, but this is a good one. And um, yeah, definitely check out Axial. If you want to look at deals that don't look like your typical neighborhood, like bar and grill or and or like a wedding venue, which is a lot of uh, <laughs> which is a lot of what's on Biz by Sell, our future, our uh, our future, future advertiser. We look forward to them someday. One day. We love you, Biz by Sell. Come advertise with us. 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> and if you would like to advertise on the pod, give us a holler. We uh, we are pretty good at taking your money and then uh, and then talking about your business. And uh, yeah, what anyway. I, I could go on about advertising, <laughs> but if you want to advertise on this, call us. <laughs> anyway, anything else about the deal or other than that, I think, uh, I think we're good on this one. Let's wrap it up. Happy Friday. Good seeing y'all. Good seeing you.